Hello, welcome back to the Being Whole podcast. Today we have Patricia Goodman Hayward on the show. Patty holds an associate teaching professor position at Northeastern University in the College of Professional Studies. In addition, she developed the concentration in cross-cultural communication for the master's in corporate and organizational communication. She earned her doctorate of education in executive leadership from the George Washington University and a master of liberal arts from Harvard University. She has such a lovely mission about cultural transformation that I cannot wait to share with you today. Let's dive into today's episode. Patty, I am so, so glad that you are here today. I can't wait for you to share with everyone a little bit about your work, where you are, what you do. So thank you again for agreeing to be on the show. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you asking me, Cassandra. And, you know, it's so funny to have something that kind of comes full circle. Um, one of the things, and, and I know we're, we're both kind of on Facebook, is I love how Facebook gives you these memory images. Uh -huh. And recently it showed um, pictures from when I was teaching in Vietnam. And at the time in Vietnam, um, it was a very different uh, environment for me. I hadn't really been to Asia a lot. And mm -hmm. so that whole culture, I felt like I was really hitting that cultural shock. Mm -hmm. uh, not only was the weather uh, beyond an extreme that I had been involved in before, even though I did grow up in Florida. Um, but it was just a completely different environment uh, in, in almost every way. In fact, I realized after I was there that in high school, we never even studied the Vietnam War. So, so getting that perspective from being there in Ho Chi Minh City, where I was teaching in, in uh, previously known as Saigon, was fascinating. And so pictures came up in Facebook, and it was sharing the story about how I was um, providing some vignettes from walking around the city and everything. And it almost foreshadowed the book that we just finished putting together. I was like, I didn't know it at the time. Subconsciously, maybe I had decided there needs to be a book that talks about the impact that women make. And because I really kind of learned of making friends uh, with some of the women in that area and being so impressed with what they were able to accomplish in you know, a wide range of uh, services and education and in a very different political environment and um, just a lot of different cultural ways. So yeah. that kind of brings me <laughs> to the book that, that I so appreciate your you know, reaching out to me about. So Women Community community leaders and their impact as global change makers. Um, two, two and a half years ago, uh, I'm one of these instructors that when I find students that we, we just have the same kind of curiosities or interests, um, I'll figure out things that we can do. <laughs> and yeah. so I have a couple of students that I have been blessed with being able to do some research and um, being part of, of their career and mentoring different ways. So I have two students from different years that I had them and there was a conference that was coming up and it was talking about cultural hybridization. And so I reached out to these two, one is originally from Beijing, other originally from Pakistan. Mm -hmm. And they don't, I don't think they knew each other at the time. I don't think so. So um, Sahar Redman is uh, from Pakistan and she had worked with me to do an alumni event in Karachi and uh, she's fantastic. She's now one of our um, adjunct instructors teaching intercultural communication. 
And Zaray Yan, um, when she was in the program, we were just looking at pulling in e-portfolios. I don't know if you do you do e-portfolios. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we were building that into the program and I wanted to do a student work group. And so Zaray was just like my shining star. She she helped with a student group and we explored e-portfolios and how to be part of the program. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I brought these two together and we each identified a woman leader that we thought had made an impact. And we wanted to do kind of a mini case analysis and see what do they have in common? What do they have that's different? And is there something that we could look at in terms of a framework to help understand how uh, women in particular, women leaders, can make an impact in their community that potentially can even grow larger. And so that's where it started. Um, uh, Sahar had chosen Malala from Pakistan mm -hmm. and Zaray had actually been very involved in the lean in with um, Cheryl Sandberg. Mm -hmm. And so she had chosen Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg. And I had done some work with ASHA, which is a program in India, New Delhi. Um, looking at the slums and how to support families, children, women um, in building themselves and empowering themselves. And so Dr. Karen Martin, the uh, founder of ASHA. So each one of us had identified these three women and mm -hmm. uh, they're at different levels, different ages, different backgrounds. So we did a lot of the divergent type of thing. And then we found, but what do they have similar from their stories and from you know our input? And we cut across and we found some things. And so in the book, the opening, actually the preface, is kind of what we had shared in this conference that we presented at in Poland. And um, I don't know if you can kind of see a little bit, mm -hmm. a little bit of their pictures and some of the divergence and and. Uh, Conversions. And so this chapter is actually free. It's available. So I'll, I'll give you the link so that oh, those in the research can kind of look through it. Well, after the conference, the three of us, again, because we just enjoy working together and we, we have, you know, very different ideas and thoughts and um, it's the best time. And we were like, you know, a lot of people are interested in how I'll show up. Here's, here's a picture of the three of us. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. For those of you who are on um, listening, if you go to YouTube, you'll be able to see the pictures that Patty is showing from her actual book that we're talking about. That's so cool. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. And we actually had a student do the digital um, images for us, too. Oh, wow. Northeastern. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the three of us were like, you know, we could do a book. Then we could get a lot of chapters and even more and you know, gather women from around the world. So, and this was pre-pandemic. And so we started going, and I know you've written a book, so you know this, going through the publishing process. That within itself is daunting, isn't it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and like you said, you, you know, just reminding everyone, then doing this via the pandemic too, where everything was just different and new and you're trying to figure it out and it was taking longer in a time where that was already new things for you to try to understand. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and so we spent, I guess, six, seven months. Of course, we reached out to top tier first. We we're really excited, and then we didn't hear anything, and we're kind of like, well, you know, maybe we just want to want to get to move forward and do something. So anyway, we ended up getting um, a offer from IGI Global Publishing, and I've actually been to some of their connected uh, conferences where they've, you know, their publishing has been presented there. 
And so I thought, you know, this is, it's a good organization. It's international. So they're going to support that. So we went with them and um, they were very supportive through the process. All three of us had never done any publishing before. I mean, I've, I've post, uh, I've done articles, you know, but I've not done an entire book. And so um, that within itself was an entire learning process. <laughs> We got a editorial advisory board, um, so we had 12 members, and we really wanted to get diverse diversity in genders too. So even though the book was is focused on female leaders, we wanted to bring in the importance of how men are part of our communities, and mm -hmm. in many cases, the men were not necessarily barriers; they also were supportive. So, so yep. all three of us have had positive support male models. We had um, men being on the advisory board along with women. Um, and we even have one author who wrote about his daughter as uh, one of the, the chapters. She's amazing story that, um, that she had Kirsten uh, Fresh. And so we, we wanted to have a big enough book that it could be um, really globally touched a lot of air in the world and a variety of different uh, sectors yeah. but we also need the chapters to be accessible you know mm -hmm. we wanted short chapters and we uh we really followed the story process so it has a beginning it has a middle it has an end there's a strong one strong focus that we we're trying to get all of our contributing authors to provide about the change agent they're writing on and then one area where that that climax, that focus, what's yeah. happening with that. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, with a lot of these women, they have a lot of things they're doing. They're not just working on one thing. Yeah. So I can imagine getting them even to really determine what is the thing or what is the and especially when it's interesting because you're working with so many people who, you know, most of us would look at them and be like, oh, they're so powerful. You hide hold them in such high esteem that then to kind of even see them be like, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do is, is just an interesting space too, I'm sure. Because sometimes when you have so many different messages or so many different things that you've done, it can be hard for you to see like the through lines of your own work too. For sure. And we were so lucky that we had over 60 um, contributing authors who had uh, provided stories about women. Some of them wrote about themselves, but a majority wrote about someone that they admired in their community and across 24 countries around the world. So it's just incredible. And then the range really cuts. We, we have business, politics, you know, governmental type of stories. Uh, we have social service type of stories, you know, a woman from Ecuador um, during the pandemic recognized that with schools being closed, children are not getting fed because sometimes the only meal that they were getting was through the school. Yeah. So by closing the schools, they're actually doing more harm. And so she never saw herself as a leader, but she stood up in her community and she said, "This we can't continue this. And then she moved on and pushing until Ecuador ended up opening a school for you know certain age levels so that they could get back into the process and also um, being provided food. You know, so that just that that's one story. Um, <clears throat> but these stories are just absolutely incredible. And so we ended up with um, 58 of 55 that we published in the book, mm -hmm. um, but we had 61 altogether for the analysis. And so again, the 
the end of the book, uh, which is available to anyone, it's a free chapter, um, is where we have the analysis from the 61 women. It's called the multi-case analysis findings and conclusions. Uh -huh. And I'll, I'll provide the, the link um, so you can kind of get a sense of what all of this data that we gathered across the different values that these individuals, mm -hmm. what kind of leadership traits, which a majority provided transformational leadership traits, they were really making an impact. And then how these behaviors, both the individual and the community, really made this cultural transformation yeah. in their community that can be transcended over, you know, on a larger scale. And so one of the things that we talk about is we encourage individuals to, you know, read some of these stories. And each of the chapters ends with some questions and then the author's reflection. We really fought to have that. <laughs> And our publisher was great about, you know, some of our little quirks that we wanted to put in this book. <laughs> Those end up being the most powerful. I think when you, you know, you're thinking about things in a different way and reflecting and really trying to get that perspective. And so I'm so glad that that was part of what you were able to include at the end of these chapters. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And it is because, you know, when you're thinking about cases and these each, we call them narratives or stories, but they really are many cases. Mm -hmm. um, but it has points to ponder, these questions that are specific, and then it goes into the author's reflections as to why they chose to write about that person or that particular focus. And then we wanted the author's bio within each chapter. Um, that's not kind of the normal that the publisher does. They usually do the bios kind of at the end or, or just uh, online. So we really feel proud about being able to have each chapter it could really stand alone absolutely um, yeah and we've used them i've used them i taught in spring term and, and i used the the book i used the chapter that connected to the topic that we were looking at uh, we, i teaching communications and we were looking at social media and one of the stories is about a woman from pakistan um, who started to create this whatsapp group that ended up growing for women to be able to sell almost like ebay yeah. selling things within the country um, and it's one of the largest uh, mechanisms for women to be able to purchase and sell items uh, completely independently on their own within Pakistan. But it was, it was a fun one to do in the class to talk about the differences in cultures and really, you know, trying to get them to think about how social media is, is global, but it's also very local, you know, based yes. on on that particular culture, what their needs are, how they focus in, where their values are. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, this idea of fake news too. How can you question things and, and really make sure that you're understanding what's accurate? Yeah. I just, I, I love all of the different facets of the project. You know, you have so many different things here that, you know, the bottom line that I keep hearing when you're talking about all of it, though, that makes me so happy is the empowerment behind it. That's what, and, and it's in a, such a space where you were not only elevating, lifting the voices of the people in those chapters, but who helped them. What are the 
the unique connections that all of these women have, that all of these individuals have. And I just really want to take space to applaud you for that too, because I think oftentimes, you know, we do get caught up in analysis of like our differences, or these are the places where we're far apart on. And so to really be able to look at that and say, yes, these are, you know, some big differences culturally, you know, what have you, but then look at these beautiful through lines, look at these spaces where we have that transformational leadership or where we have empowerment or where we have change and then how we can all look at that and be like, okay, well, I can do that over here or this is something that might work for me in this area. And I love that focus because not only does it, you know, help move us forward, I think, into places that we can feel more a greater sense of purpose for our own self at the same time that we're helping other people. But I love that you chose to do that and lift up those voices because unfortunately, especially in a lot of spaces where it is primarily women, we aren't always in that great empowerment space or we're kind of on the surface of it of like, yeah, that's great for you. But like, also I can't tell you all my secrets because then you might take something that I need or what have you. And so I just, everything I've seen you post throughout the time that you've been working on this, every time I hear you talk about it, that's what I hear. And it just brings so much joy to my heart. So thank, thank you for you. just making that such an important piece of your work too. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And, and I have to really um, connect that it's a, it's a group effort. Um, all the, the women that we've been working with our editorial advisory board, as I mentioned, and of course, Sahar and, and Zeray, we're really good about questioning each other. And I think that is important in today's society for whatever reason, there's this feeling like you can't question things because someone might be offended or someone might take it the wrong way. And I think that was a really maybe uh, unconscious uh, bias or unconscious norm, I think I should say, that we put in place is to always feel like you can question because even questioning can prompt more ideas or help to bring clarification to the situation. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, and that's interesting too, because I think that that space, you know, it's like, I don't know if everyone's afraid of being canceled <laughs> or, or what it is kind of, you know, too, or, or, you know, fearful a little bit of saying the wrong thing, like you say, but really opening up yourself to question. And for some people that is scary too, right? Because that's vulnerable to admit that, well, I, if I have a question, that means I don't know something. So I'm not going to go there. So really just not only making that something that was important, but really part of the process. Like this is how we're going to get to come kind of some of these different answers or different complexities within this space. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we even have to say, I don't know, we got to, we're going to have to research that and then see what we find, you know, maybe we have a new idea. Yeah. I, one of the things that was fascinating, and I think the, the three of us in particular, because we've, we read all of the chapters, you know, as we um, went through the process is really seeing that we often do look at differences. Yes, there we have different ages, we're different countries, we have different racial, ethnic, um, language, backgrounds, uh, different spirituality, some not spiritual. So you just cutting across, you can see other than everyone being, you know, identifying as female, we have very little um, immediate things that are intersections. Mm -hmm. And it was really exciting to start to understand what are the similarities, 
And yeah, we might have a very different socioeconomic background or a very different family background, but yet we still have similar values. We yeah. still have a need to connect with other people. We yeah. still have a need to understand the resources that are available and to advocate and to try to encourage others to support and you know to, to be a steward of these resources together. And those were the things that, that I really felt like um, even, even if this, this book is, which of course I'm hoping that, you know, on a global level, it'll be available. <laughs> and I'll talk about just a second, um, what we're, our, our real kind of push or call to action is, but even if nothing else happens with the book, the individuals that contributed in writing, the editorial advisory boards that went through and reviewed the chapters in the three of us, and the, the publishers and the editors that, that helped to review all the chapters, they've all been impacted. So at the very least, we've already impacted a hundred people. You know what I mean? So I can feel like this, it wasn't for naught that, that we have already made some um, influence on how people see something a little bit different and maybe take into consideration that in transforming a culture, is not a bad thing. And some of the, the research that was done in the, um, about five years ago, in fact, 10 years ago, you wouldn't see anything about cultural transformation. There, I, I had a Google search going and that wasn't even cultural resilience, cultural transformation. Those weren't terms that you even saw. Interesting. Yeah. So and then that last, sort of time ago, really. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And about the last five years, I started getting my Google search, you know, popping up maybe once a month or, you know, every so often, and they really weren't broad um, ideas. And then some of them were negative, uh, how it negatively has impacted a culture, how you know, cultures have been negative, uh, getting negative influences. And so this is really talking about the positive influence and yeah. in particular, how women's leadership style brings in a positive mm -hmm. uh, influence and transformation and the cultural resilience of a number of, on a small scale, um, how cultures, especially during the pandemic, I mean, they've, yeah. they've had to be so resilient mm -hmm. in holding on to some traditions, but yet letting go of some. Yeah. Um, we saw that with the Ebola uh, outbreak, you know, that the, it was some of the traditions that mm -hmm. started to create this uh, mm -hmm. illness. And so you do need sometimes a, a transformation and continue to growing to improve people in the Isn't this conversation so refreshing and enlightening? I love how much Patty is a wealth of knowledge and cultural transformation and how she's now sharing all of these wonderful stories from women leaders. I wanted to let you know that I have two spots open for one-on-one -on -one transformation with me inside of a three-month container. We will focus on your boundaries, your relational communication, and how you can move forward in a way that helps you feel whole. DM me the word coaching on Instagram at Dr. Cassandra LeClaire to get more info on working together. Now let's listen to the rest of the episode with Patty. I just, when you were saying that, like this phrase just came to my mind that made me so excited because it was like, you have this roadmap to resilience, like in some ways that is so cool because, and I love that you are very clear about all the differences because we need to see all of the differences, because that makes those commonalities that much cooler. I think that much more powerful, right? It's like, yep, 
those things are all there, but look at these spaces where there are, you know, commonalities. And like you're saying, the ability to really be like, these are the traditions or the things that we're working. These are the ways that we have to shift. And looking at that as a way to move through things as a way to build resiliency. And I think, you know, a lot of times we see that for ourselves in our own situations, but we lose sight of how that can be happening in the collective and how we can then use that information and the data, just like you're doing to really help us have a new understanding of how we can go forward differently too. And that's why I love like all of these things put together then really are helping us see different, how did, what does this look like for people and how did they do that? And, and I think it's so fascinating. I didn't realize if you would have asked me like how long ago, you know, cultural transformation or those things came into the mindset, I would have thought it would have been a little bit further back than that. So that's also kind of interesting that we're really only scratching the surface and starting in this work, honestly. Yeah, for sure. No, it's either all new ideas. And in the book, it's not in color, but the e version is color. Um, we have this graphic that's really gear based. Mm-hmm. We talk about the individual's perspectives and how you, you start in this middle with a purpose from the individual. Mm-hmm. And then the individual comes through and then it goes into the community to make that cultural transformation. Mm-hmm. And so from the individual, it's that self-awareness, it's the life experiences, it's the transformational leadership traits that really help that purpose to start to make a shift. And then it's the community side where you have the networking of the stakeholders and the stewards of the resources. And then the cultural resilience of wanting to make and understand the need to do some of that springing um, to get that purpose to actually make an impact and to create a cultural transformation. So we were really excited when we kind of We went through various, you know, I'm sure you know, when you're doing a a framework, you're trying to figure out, okay, I've got all these concepts now, how does it all connect? And and we use the stories to really help us Mm -hmm. see where those connections were and how the wheels all have this interdependency. Yeah, no, I love that. And that's where I like the gears, like you were saying too, because then even the ways that they're turning and they have to turn together and how, if one of them isn't turning, it kind of slows down others or can prevent the others from moving. And it's that, it's like the systems theory too, right? About how we do, we have all those interconnected parts and we're interdependent on one another. And what does that look like? If one part of the system isn't moving or stagnant and versus this in, in just thinking about it in those terms, I think can be really helpful too, honestly, Um, when there is a lot of uncertainty or there are so many things that are happening that we don't understand or we don't know why they're happening to really kind of almost think of it like that picture to think of it in that way of like, okay, this is why something's not moving over here because maybe it's over in this other area and to really almost lay it out for ourselves in a different way. Because I think especially over the last few years, we all are kind of searching for answers, right? You know, we want to know why we want to know how, or we want to know when, what the next thing is. And instead of being able to just like grasp at straws, sometimes this can help us really think about things more systematically and strategically too. And I think that that can be, sometimes that's what our nervous system needs (laughs) (laughs) to bring it down. Yeah. Yeah. And from the individual, you know, as individuals, we all feel like, oh, I can't get anything done. But I think what we're saying here is that you can, as an individual, focus in on one purpose and then find others that have that same purpose. And as you start to gather these other individuals, 
you're going to be bringing in the community and you will make a difference. You can, yeah. we have, we have evidence that it is done. You don't it's have science. To be, <laughs> you don't have to be in a CEO role. You, you know, we have a mother here uh, in one of the stories in a village in India that she alone wanted her daughter to be able to continue to be educated in middle school and high school when the village, that's not where they wanted to put the money. And she made it happen. And so, you know, and, and this is recent, this is within the last 10 years. So, you know, these stories are, are giving, I hope people hope, and that's the call that I want to say. Yes. Um, so we know that the book, it's a big book. It's not on Amazon because it is more of an academic um, type of book. And so it, the publisher has it charged over $200, so it's pricey. So what our call is, is we would love for every public library every educational institution to purchase a book or to get the ebook with the licenses this book should be available to wide communities there's no reason for this book to be sitting on one person's um, desk in in their office it should be available to high school students to undergrads to um, for communities to have discussions in libraries so that's our big push is really trying to get libraries um, to purchase the book so that they can have conversations. That's a great call to action too, because that's something where I'm not sure if all the listeners are aware of this. Um, you know, you really can, you can reach out to your local library. If you're at a university or where have you, um, you can also reach out to them and just say, Hey, I'd love for us to carry this book. And more often than not, I'm, cause I've done this before. They're happy to, to try to get you that book. They're excited. They're like, oh, okay, why do we need this book? Or, you know, what would that be of interest to? And I think that that's really neat. I started doing that when I worked at the university, you know, they encouraged us, hey, if there's a book we don't have, like, tell us. And I didn't realize until I wrote my own book that you could do that at libraries. I just, it was eye-opening to me. And so I just really want to encourage people to do that because our public libraries are such a wonderful source of knowledge. And I think that that's something too, like even in, um, especially with the last few years, you know, people wanting different resources and things like that. Public libraries kind of had a resurgence in, of becoming a space where, hey, don't forget about us. Come here. We have all sorts of things, eBooks, books and, you know, in, in stock right in this, in this building, or, you know, we have other sorts of resources. And I love that that's the call to action. And I thank you for recognizing too, you know, and, and you know this from your work in academia, sometimes those books get expensive and like, you don't have any control over that, right? And so acknowledging that this is the type of text that it is, and it's so rich. And this is why it's important for people to be able to go and get their hands on it and look through it and really take away some of those nuggets that are applicable to all of us instead of having this book yet like you say being it doesn't do any good in my office just sitting there if I'm not then talking about it or sharing it with other people and I really am so grateful that you can come on to this space too to share with us like what is this what does this look like because I think that there are so many wonderful academic books or academic projects that start off in this space that if we had ability to talk about them and really tell people what they were, people would be like, oh, <laughs> that's what that is. <laughs> it doesn't look like that. <laughs> right. That's right. Well, and you know, public libraries, I think, are trying to get, as you were just mentioning, another space in this new environment of technology. And so book clubs and having book discussions and having circles, you know, whether it's um, 
a, a, a range of students or uh, elders that are coming together in within the community. And the thing about this particular book is since each chapter is so short, you literally could have one chapter is, you know, two to four pages long. You could do a chapter a week as a discussion and have a completely different discussion each week. Um, Good point. So it's a wonderful opportunity for both libraries, either in institutions or in the communities, to have a way to bring people back together. The pandemic kept everyone, you know, apart, and we were searching for ways on how we can come back together. Well, these are the types of things that can bring you back together. You read the, yeah. the story together, you can almost read it together at the time. You, you know, it takes 10, 15 minutes to read it and then actually have that kind of discussion. Um, what are some of the challenges? How do you get past those challenges? What does it mean by having um, a transformational leader and these, these stakeholders? And, you know, I mean, it, you really could make that discussion at different levels and as rich as, as a facilitator would want to take it. Well, and I think also seeing those commonalities and seeing the way that the book brings together all of these different people then when you have people that you're talking about it with, I think then you take that, you do take that to your personal level because you're like, oh, okay, here are all these other people in my community that, yeah, maybe I don't necessarily relate to or maybe don't have the same mindset as me or political leanings or whatever it is, right? All of the ways that we find difference between people and really being able to remind yourself like, what are our common values? What are our common threads? What are the things? And some people will say like, oh, there isn't one, there is nothing. But when you dig down and you really get to it, there, there usually more often than not, there are, right? You know, so even, you know, where I live, okay, there's pride in the community and there is a bunch of different things that people get excited about. So not everybody in that space is somebody that I resonate with on every little level, right? But there are certain things that are good for the community that we can come together on. And so I think that a lot of times though, to see that, we need an external thing to show up, show it to us, right? It's like our subconscious needs to see that it's possible because it's happening out here. Oh, so now maybe I can do that too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So true. And so, sometimes we always want to see the new shiny thing, but there's one story here that talks about one of the first languages that was actually created by women in Morocco called the Berber language. And that's how they were telling stories through their weavings in ancient times. And in the, the author is sharing about this educator who is bringing back, she herself is, is from that um, Berber background, um, and bringing that understanding back into women's education in particular in Morocco. So, I mean, you know, it's just as you start digging in, you're like, okay, so there's new things that are happening in Africa, making use of the cell phone and, and how you can learn more through different apps that's on a cell phone. Um, and then looking at ancient language and how you can learn from that. So learning, I think learning is the key. <laughs> <laughs> learning is the key. Learning is the key. And of course you and I would both think that, you know, as educators, but yeah. that, that is, you know, when I think about the people who make changes, like you're saying, the transformational leaders in my mind, that is one of their top qualities. They're lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. They're not afraid to ask the questions. They're not afraid to admit that they might not have all the answers, but it's not like, oh, I don't know that. So I stop. It's a, oh, I don't know, but I'm gonna find out. Exactly. <laughs> that, you know, so I think that that's that, that mindset and that mentality that for me is how we make change, you know, and that is 
how we can go forward and not only learn for ourselves, but then learn from other people too, right? Because asking those questions, like you're saying, admitting that you don't know, really being able to listen then, okay, well, who might know? Who might have the answers? How can I connect that? Or how can I research that? And I think that sometimes too, we, we tend to think that we can only reach out to the people who are like us or who, or we are fearful, maybe that we're going to look foolish or that somebody's going to think that we're not smart enough to be asking a certain question or that they're, they're too above us or what have you. So really being, bringing it back to even for myself or other people. Okay. But why is this important to me? bringing it back to your value. Okay. So if this is important to me because of my values, because I want to advance the community or because I want to, you know, help the collective, then I need to let go of my own ego a little bit about being afraid of what this person might reject me or something. Right. Because that's not the important piece. The important piece is the why the value behind it. And I think we get caught up sometimes in the other stuff, (laughs) or at least I do. No, no, it is so true. It's very true. I also want to encourage, so we, we created a LinkedIn group called Recognizing Women Community Leaders on a Global Scale. Um, it is because it's a, uh, we don't have a, a organization funding it, so it's a private group, but if anyone is interested, please just request and, and we'll be more than happy to approve you to be part of this group. We're trying to add pieces of information. Uh, individuals are welcome to add on to their stories within this environment, so we're real excited to see how this community might grow. We're, we're close to 300. Of course, we'd love to get you know, more, um, but that's a, it's just another mechanism. So like you're saying that you wanna be able to kind of test the waters and, and ask some questions, being that kind of community that's already has an interest could be a great place to start out and get some ideas and then you know, gather yeah. some of that input. No, I love that you created that group too, because I think sometimes that's what, you know, people need a safe space or they need to feel like it's safe to them. And sometimes having a smaller container like that feels better to people than as opposed to, and also it helps us kind of conceptualize things a little bit more. Sometimes when we're faced with these big things, it's like, who should I reach out to or what should I look for? And then it can feel more daunting too. For sure. What are some, you know, are there common threads that you are like, these are the things I think people should know, or this is what transformational leadership is, or here are some qualities, or are there some takeaways that you want to share that you think would, um, you know, help people the most? I think um, definitely, especially since it's free to you anyways, going into the book and getting that first uh, preface chapter and then the analysis chapter at the end. There's many stories that are pulled uh, through those two chapters that help to make the connections from the framework. But, and we do define how we're making use of transformational leaders and cultural resilience. And so these concepts that are kind of an academic-y type of concept, right? That has research behind it and we're drawing on that. I, I, I really value what you were just saying in terms of asking the question. I, I, if there's one thing that I'm really hoping someone will, will draw upon as they're kind of listening to everything, and there's a lot of information that we've given, right? We have a lot of different um, areas, sectors that the stories are coming from, from around the world, and, and these women are, are all different kinds of backgrounds. But asking the question and, and being curious, mm-hmm. um, somehow I feel like even in the United States educational system, we've, we've shifted into this need for STEM, which STEM is important. I don't have a problem with, you know, you need to know STEM, 
but then there's this focus on I need to be able to read, write, and do uh, arithmetic and, and to understand science. And that's more of open the brain and pour the information in concepts sometimes than I'm curious. Yeah. I want to understand. Mm -hmm. I want to ask questions and really kind of ignite myself in that learning. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm hoping is that I've provided, I've provided enough nuggets of, oh, that's interesting. I'd like to hear more. That yeah. just that little bit of curiosity that might lead someone to say, well, let me check, let me take that extra step and actually click on the link. Let me take that extra step and actually ask my library to purchase a book. Let me take, because I have that curiosity and I want to take that extra step. Yeah. And that's what is so hard. It's amazing how hard it is. It it's is. so hard. And I know it is. And it's, it, as you were saying that, that's what I'm thinking too. And that's where I know that you, you go to this as an educator also, you know, like, how do I get them to do this? How do I get them to do that? And, and so much of it is exactly what we're saying. You got to ignite that spark and, and figuring out how to turn that back on right now, I think for some people is hard. I think that, you know, we, it's all the uncertainty of the last few years, all of the misinformation or too much information, whatever you want to call it, the overload almost made us close up a little bit from seeking information, right? Because, you know, you start to either not trust what you're finding or it starts to feel overwhelming or polarizing or whatever, right? So I think it kind of dampened for some people that, that idea that I want to go find the answer, or I'm going to look for things, or I'm going to take that next, next action step. So I love the way that you're talking about it in terms of like, how can you find that for yourself? You know, what, what are those little spaces within you that get you excited or that get you motivated? You know, what are some curiosities that you have where you do want to learn more? And then just taking that extra step and instead of thinking about it as like an extra step because then people don't want to do the work or what have you I mean myself included I got enough steps in my life right but it's more like it's more like okay I'm curious about that so I, I there are ways I can learn more yeah. and, you know really reframing it okay there are ways that I can learn more there are ways that I can um, get more insight and really even I, for myself, this is what I do a lot of times when I feel like I want to know more, but it feels like there are too many steps or, oh, then I have to reach out to that person. Or then I got to go do this is really thinking about again, like, okay, why do I want to do that? What was the reason I was excited about this in the first place? Mm -hmm. And really reframing that too, in terms of, oh, look at how powerful it feels when I can, I mean, it does, it sounds silly. Like, oh, I request, requested a book at the library. Look at how powerful I am, but that's real. I am telling you that that feeling is real because <laughs> I've done it and you do it because you feel like, oh, that's awesome. That's something that I can get in here. That's something that can help more people. And so sometimes those things that feel like, oh, now I have to do this, or this is an action step, or I have to go find that. Once you do it and you realize how easy it is, it feels like a win in your whole day. And that's what I want to encourage people is because sometimes that's what we need is those small wins is like, oh, I can check that off my list and I can feel like I've moved the needle forward. Awesome. Because I look at the rest of my list and I don't necessarily feel that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so true. I, I think in life, we, especially dealing with COVID, you know, we were talking a little bit prior that a lot of us are feeling the fatigue from getting through COVID and how long we're dealing with the ongoing, you know, remnants of it. And 
everything can feel really overwhelming. And that's where I, again, you know, these are short chapters. It, it's a, it's a nice tidbit to say, oh, here's what this person's challenge was. And, and here's what she did. And here's how she did it. And the people that, that came into her life who are now part of her circle of, of making that impact. And some of the chats, some of them are kind of, wow, there's no way I could ever do that. And some of them are, I could do that, but it's, it's not that hard. So there's, there's a wide range in particular in this book, but either way, it, it requires getting started. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, again, thank you for coming on and just sharing this work with people and giving us the opportunity to understand like what it was, where it was born from and what the process looked like too. Because I think like just in the very beginning, when you were talking about how you got started and where it came from, and even your memories coming up from your previous teaching, it's like that was all part of the process that brought you to this moment. Right. But you didn't know that at the time. And that's what we always, we always feel that, right. It's like, Oh, that's what was happening. And you don't always see it until after the fact. Right. So really being able to hear what that experience was like for you and how then you all came together as women to really, you know, now they're part of your story and part of this story. And I love the ways that you had that happen for yourself. Like you could now be a chapter in your own book because of, <laughs> you know, these experiences too. And I think that a lot of times when we see other people and like in your book in particular, reading those things, like you say, it's not something then where it's like, oh, that's not attainable for me. Instead, it's like, oh, here are all of the ways that I can make those things happen for myself, or here are all the ways that I already do that. And that's that there's power in that as well of being able to read some of these things and then feeling strength for yourself of like, oh, okay, I am kind of a badass because look at this thing I did over here or whatever, right? And I think we all need that. I think that that's like kind of, you know, with the motivation and the way we kind of feel overwhelmed and don't know how to move forward. And that feeling of being stuck, these stories of hope, these stories of how people have moved through things, not only do they give us hope for ourselves that other people have done it, but they remind us of the times that we've done it too. That's right. Because so every single person listening, you, I, everyone else, all of us have gotten through something and sure. we've gotten ourselves through it through a variety of ways with other people, with external help, through our own resources. And sometimes we need that kind of mirror shown back to us like, oh, okay. Yeah. So now I can move forward. Now I have that motivation again. And I personally think that books are a wonderful place to find that too, because a lot of times, you know, if I look to external sources or I talk to other people, it, I think can be easier to get caught up in that. Like, well, I couldn't do it because this is why it worked for them, or this is what they had. But, you know, when you're just faced with that on the blank page and you're reading somebody's story and you're able to interpret that and kind of feel their experience, you relate to it differently. So I love the way that you really put these individual stories in there. And that's why I'm so grateful that you were able to hold on to that format with each chapter like that too, because I think it adds to that space so much. It really does. The self-reflection is absolutely critical. And uh, I, I think that's another piece of it that's just an outcome and it would be fantastic for people to write their own story after reading a story, you know, really, really being able to connect 
here's the challenge I was facing. And here's what I did in order to get through that challenge. And here are the people that were part of my life that helped me to do that. And here are the resources that I was able to put in place. I mean, these are all things that we really, we feel that anyone would be able to pull apart. And we all have been facing. We just, have, we are in, have continued to go through a pandemic. We have all faced challenges for sure. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation, Patty. I'm just, I'm grateful to you for your work. I'm grateful to you for your friendship and just for your time today. So thank you for being part of this and for sharing all of your work with my audience too. Well, thank you. I really value your taking the time and, and for your rich discussion. I've really enjoyed it. Well, where can people, of course, I'll link everything in the show notes, but why don't you tell us again the name of that LinkedIn group and where people can find you just to make sure that it's resonating and then say again the name of your book for everyone too. Sure. <laughs> Thank you. So the LinkedIn group is Recognizing Women Community Leaders on a Global Scale. And the book itself is uh, Women Community Leaders and Their Impact as Global Change Makers. And it's through IGI, which is the uh, IGI Global uh, Publishers. And you're welcome to, I have a Facebook um, page, Patty Goodman Hayward. Um, we also have a little Facebook group that also requires um, approval, but feel free to reach out and I'm happy to connect you into either space. Well, thank you for being a change maker. That's what I, I like. I love that word and I, I love that you incorporated it in the title and, and thank you. Cause you are, you are um, really helping so many people in different ways. And that's that building that resiliency, building that hope, building that kind of, or igniting that spark again for people, I think is so it's important in all times, but especially after the last few years, we really need that too. So thank you again for everything. And I know we'll talk soon, but I'm just so glad that I got to talk with you today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And thanks for this space. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye everyone. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Here are my takeaways from today's episode. Number one, you can highlight female leaders while also being inclusive to the men in your community. Men can be a positive support to your mission as well. Number two, sharing your story is impactful, but including reflection and prompts or questions at the end of chapters can really take your writing to the next level for the reader. Number three, by diving in on different cultures, you can see how social media can both connect us as a collective, but also how much impact it can have with smaller local communities. Number four, the more we question things or people in the world, the more we can open up ourselves for new ideas or new understandings in a beautifully vulnerable way. Number five, success isn't always defined by whether you hit a goal in sales or revenue, but rather how many lives were impacted in a positive way because of the project. Thanks again for listening. I'm so grateful you're here. See you again next week.